This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Weekly Podcast for the week of February 19th. I'm your host, William Liu. Joining me to recap all things All-Star Weekend and to look ahead to the second half of the season is uh, Joe Wolfman. What's going on, man? Not much. Uh, this is being recorded on Monday, so it's, it's out a little bit later than usual, but you know it's a long weekend and stuff. Um, we just saw All-Star Weekend. Which is a fun time. Congratulations to Coach Casey um, for uh, you know being at the game and winning the game and you know whatever. Congrats to Colin Lamar, of course, for being All Stars. But um, you know, let me just let me just ask you: Was All Star Weekend a satisfactory watch as a Raptors fan? Um, I will say off the jump that I didn't uh, watch the All Star game. Um, I was at mm-hmm. a wedding, so I didn't see it, um, and I. Honestly, like there, there are a lot of years where I just don't watch it because it doesn't particularly interest me. But um, I thought uh, Saturday night was like totally fine, you know, nothing exceptional or out of the ordinary. But it was like I think generally what you'd expect. Um, so I don't know. I mean, like, what do you, what do you expect at All Star Weekend? I thought it like was for the most part pretty good, and I, I thought like um, particularly encouraging that um, there were like a lot of just like strong athlete voices coming out in like the wake of the Laura Ingram thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of provided uh, a sort of um, opportunity, I guess, for just a, a lot of players to like speak on stuff that was important. And like, obviously um, you know, that the, the school shooting in Florida, like I think um, it was, it was nice to see athletes being like, you know, incredibly thoughtful, and I thought, you know, just, like, saying some um, really smart and well-considered and uh, encouraging things, and then, you know, to have Adam Silver coming out there and supporting the players and what they were saying, like, um, as far as just, like, stuff that was going on off the court, I thought uh, the league was really well represented. As usual, really. Um, Yeah. The the league has really, like, found a good groove in terms of... um, what they want, what causes they want to champion, and, and things like that. Um, you know, along those lines, Dwayne Casey had a really good um, interview on the Woj Pod, which I highly recommend people to go listen to. I mean, not the Woj Pod in general, because it, it's it's like drier than like you know rotisserie chicken, but <laughs> it's uh, yeah. I mean, uh, Woj and Dwayne really like they chop it up, and like you know they're old timers. They talk about all sorts of stuff, but. Um, yeah, they go over a lot of issues um, in terms of comparing sort of Canada and the United States in terms of gun laws. And it's not that simple. Canada doesn't have nearly as many guns as the United States. But, um, you know, it, it's a good conversation. And it's it's good that the league is, is, is open to, um, you know, or at least trying to make a change with some of these things. Um, 
in terms of All Star Saturday, you said that was satisfactory. You mean that as like a just like a general fan, right? Because as a Raptors fan, seeing Kyle Lowry go in there and <laughs> trying to change his reputation after shooting a you know NBA record nine nine points in a three point shootout, where this is a, this is the new three point shootout with the extra money balls, so yeah. you should really have a better score than nine. Um, seeing Kyle Lowry go back into the contest and rightfully defend his honor and put up an eleven. <laughs> uh, did you feel dread going into that contest? Because I had so much dread. I was, I almost like went went into it feeling just like pretty encouraged, like feeling like there was no possible way that he could have done worse than he did last year. Like I almost felt like that would take some pressure off, especially when Paul George went out there and put up a nine. I'm like, all right, so yo, but here's yeah, the thing: like, Paul George like, actually put up like a six until the last three shots. <laughs> yeah, so I thought that might take some pressure off him and just like he could go out there and be relaxed and just do his thing but uh Mm. i don't know what it is man like he uh whether it's the the structure of the shootout itself or um whether there's actually something in his head about you know just performing in a competition like that in front of millions of people uh something about it has him pretty shook so i think uh the obvious answer is to keep bringing him back until uh, no, no. until he puts up a satisfactory score. No, no, no. We'll just all look back on the time that Kyle Irish shot like a 15, I think. In yeah, the, right. <laughs> at least last year I was like, oh, he had that wrist injury that he needed surgery for. Yeah. <laughs> this year, I mean, damn. Um, and, yeah. and then he goes he goes 0 of 8 from 3 in the All-Star game. So, uh, yeah, that was, that was weird um, because Kyle did have some good looks. It wasn't like he was taking, like, crazy threes or anything. He was just kind of off. But I thought overall, like, um, I know you didn't see the, the, the actual game itself, which is fine. Like, there was just very weird. Like, it started off with um, Kevin Hart doing this, like, high school musical type skit about how he wanted to become a basketball player. And then, like, all sorts of washed up artists came out to support him and sing in this prog- in this, his um in this chase, like Queen Latifah. I mean, respect Queen Latifah, but, like, you're washed. Um, <laughs> Ludacris came out. And, oh, like, man. I didn't even recognize him. I'm like, the voice is so distinctive, but you look so different now. Um, who else came out? Rob Riggle came out. Like, it was just a painfully unfunny, like, 20 minutes that everyone roasted. And then Fergie came out and did, like, a sexy rendition of the Star Spangled Banner. It was a... Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was a real Marvin Gaye type moment, except like without <laughs> Marvin Gaye's like charisma. <laughs> so it was just Fergie being like, yeah, yeah, it was a it was a sexy rendition for sure. And then yeah, the game itself, I mean, like you know, it was more competitive than before. They took the fourth quarter seriously, which is cool. But um, yeah, there was like you know, Kyle Lowry was one of the players that was trying hard, and I thought even though he didn't, he shot all of eight. He had a really good game. Like he had a team high eleven assists. He had seven rebounds. He had like six steals. Kyle Lowry was doing great things. He was a positive. He was like a plus fifteen um, yeah. because of it. And well, even I, saw our, I just like looked at the box score and um, right. was thinking like, like seeing him, that he went two of eleven and zero of eight from three and was a plus fourteen. I thought that was just like the perfect encapsulation of Kyle Lowry as a player. Like he did. <laughs> that's, he, that's the Kyle Lowry I want the world to see. Yeah, that's right. A very very um, good uh, role player that occasionally becomes star. And he is a star. I don't want to say he's a role player. I just mean like he does a lot of role player things within the context of being a star. Um, he did score on Goran Dragic, which is nice. Always nice to see someone score on Goran Dragic. Um, Kyle Lowry also, um, 
you know, along with Damian Lillard and even DeMar, like, the three of them helped the uh, Steph Curry's team to, like, have, like, a 10-point advantage. Like, Steph's team pretty much led throughout, but, like, a very small lead. Uh, and then they pushed it to 10 um, with those guys. And then, you know, Mike D'Antoni decides to put in the starters. And they crapped the bed because James Harden and Steph Curry were trash. Like, beyond trash. Like, Steph shot, like, 4 of 19. James Harden pretty much the same with a bunch of turnovers. And, you know, LeBron's team made a comeback. But, surprisingly, afterwards, it was a lot of slander for the Raptors, which is very unfair, I thought. Like, the Raptors did well. Like, Kyle Lowry did not shoot the ball well, but he did good things within the, you know, context of the team. And then DeMar legitimately had a good game. Like, 21 points. What do people want, man? He led the team in scoring. (laughs) I mean, yeah. I don't know what to say. It's like, I just like kind of come to expect it at this point because um, uh, it's like we spend most of the year just like carping about the lack of respect for the team, and then uh, and then Kyle shoots eleven, and then Kyle shoots eleven in the three point contest, and like um, you know, like I, I understand people like you know like wanting to watch an all star game where people are like bombing threes or like throwing alley oops to themselves off off the glass and DeMar's like working <laughs> in like the mid post or whatever like Yo, just trying to get to the free throw line so. at one point DeMar did do like a rip through move <laughs> and drop fouls <laughs> yeah I was like like I get it you know I don't really care I don't really care um, I'm good with it yeah um, Steph had 11 points on 4 of 14 shooting with 6 turnovers and Harden had 12 points on 5 of 19 shooting so it was weird that the Raptors got slandered but on the other end of the uh, spectrum, Dwayne Casey coaching Team LeBron um, had to drop a very clutch play. It was like less than a minute left. The, the, his team was down two, or his team was down one. And Dwayne Casey goes to the clutch playbook, which, you know, I mean, like, Joe, you could probably guess. <laughs> it was like one of three was plays. It a, was, it a, was it a LeBron ISO off, like, uh... Come on. <laughs> LeBron um... did score, but no, it was not a LeBron ISO. <laughs> Was it uh, what was it like a Le- like a LeBron Kyrie pick and roll? It was the uh, the high screen set of like half court for the point guard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when I saw the play, I was like, yes, yes, Dwayne. <laughs> and the thing is, like Kyle and Demar, like they kind of Demar was on the floor, so he knew what was happening, so he made a good rotation. But the yeah. rest of the players didn't really know what was going on. So like Russ got all the way into the paint, he passed it down to I think Kyrie who was ducking in, and like Demar made a great rotation to get to Kyrie and, and deny the layup, but then Kyrie found LeBron cutting and LeBron, you know, scored a layup, so... Um, nice. Respect to Coach Casey. Exactly. Respect to Coach Casey, alright? Um, but, uh, yeah, all in all, it was a fun All-Star weekend. It was good that the... You know, I think the Raptors were, well, you know, well-represented overall. Like, DeMar had a good moment. Um, I'm happy that DeMar, like, he, he's been... His, his father's been ailing with a kidney disease, um, and he's obviously... He's had to fly back to LA during the season many times um, throughout the year, which has been obviously difficult for him. And he's put out a couple tweets. Just you know, we don't know necessarily what the context is, but you can assume it's to you know uh, related to his father's uh, ailing health. But you know, both his parents were able to attend the game, which is good for him. I mean, um, that's a sweet moment for sure to be back in your hometown and to have you know your parents in attendance. Um, but yeah, I mean, Dwayne Casey. I thought he looked probably the best out of all the players, uh, all the Raptors at the at the event. 
which is which says something, but you know. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he uh, he's he's really having a moment right now. I feel, and, and I'm really happy for him. Um, just uh, like considering where he come from, where where he's come from, and like the winding road that he took to uh, to having NBA success, and just like all the years he spent just kind of getting dumped on, I think by the Raptors fan base. Like mm-hmm. he he's worked really hard, and like I feel like he he really deserves to have this moment, and um, and I think that's awesome. Like he's um, I don't know. I feel like the, the, sometimes we uh, don't really like taking account like the the way that coaches can evolve and improve and like we we just kind of assume that they're who they are and like set in their ways and um i feel like you know Dwayne casey's improved as a coach as much as any coach in the league has over the last few years so he's the uh, he's the demar de rosen of coaches man yeah absolutely like, yeah um he's uh yeah he deserves this yeah he really does it was, it was really sweet seeing him you know be in the spotlight i mean like Throughout this five-year run, um, everyone else has been celebrated. Like pretty much everybody. Like we celebrated Bismack, which was right, like we rightfully so. We Bismack did a great thing for the Raptors. Um, but you know, like we celebrated every single player that came through. Uh, we celebrated Masai plenty, um, and the guy that hasn't necessarily had his due um, or been celebrated in that way, or you know, we haven't necessarily been eager to give that credit to Dwayne Casey and. Um, it's really fun seeing him out there, man. It's it's fun seeing him coach LeBron. Um, it's it's fun um, seeing him get the, the like the type of coverage and the type of press that comes with um, coaching in the All Star game. Um, you know, like it, it it helps build towards his Coach of the Year campaign, which sounds ridiculous when we're in the off season. We're all like, what? Are we going to change the culture? But we're going to keep Kyle Demar. We're going to keep Serge too, and we're going to keep Dwayne. Like what? But you know. Dwayne has really taken his chances, and he's really <clears throat> continued to become like just reinvent the team. He re- he reinvented himself, which is hard to do, like you said, man. Like it's hard for coaches um, to humble themselves and to like say, forget, you know, like especially if you were successful doing it before, right? Like if you had a track record of success, which Dwayne Casey did have, right? Um, there's no real issue. There's no real incentive. Uh, um, to you know, change it all up and say I was what what I was doing was not optimal, and he did that, and he 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 was calm, humble enough to do that. He trusts his assistants way more than ever. His players, I mean, like everything you would want out of Dwayne, he's done it all. Like in terms of just limiting minutes, changing the style of play, um, increasing three point shots, having young players come into the rotation. Like these are all arguments that have been against Dwayne Casey in the past. Like how much did we used to complain that he didn't play the young guys, right? And if you just look at the way he's got his star players to buy in, um, the way he's managed the team, I mean, it's not perfect, but, like, in terms of the big-picture goals coming into this season, what we wanted to see out of the culture change, a lot of that has been facilitated by Dwayne. So um, you, you take that with the fact that he's first in the East, third-best record overall at the All-Star break. I mean, hats off to Dwayne, man. Giant dad caps off to Dwayne because uh, <laughs> he's done, yeah, he's done a great job this year. Would he's you, he's w- been unbelievable. Would you say he's the leading candidate for Coach of the Year? Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, we're we're probably a little bit biased just because we watch more Raptors games than we watch other teams' games, but uh, like, he's got to be up there, you know. As far as like, it's kind of like you said, like I, we, I think we were all scratching our heads in the off season when. Uh, 
Masai came out talking culture reset, and like a lot of people, I think, assumed that that meant either like a major personnel overhaul or like a coaching staff overhaul, and we ended up getting neither. So it seemed like um, it was going to be like a bit of an empty phrase um, and one that became like almost a bit of a punchline before we actually saw what it looked like. Right. And to me, I don't know, it just it says a lot about Dwayne Casey that he was able to get the kind of buy-in that he's gotten. You know, it shows like how much the players trust him and how much the rest of the coaching staff trusts him um, and how much... Um, I don't know. I, like, I, I just think um, to to do something that sort of dramatic, you know, from um, the way that the offense become more egalitarian to like the minutes distribution, um, I think you know that takes like a really strong organizational structure and right. uh, a culture that he, that he's helped instill. And so, you know, even if you were to be awarded just for the work that he's done, like as, as kind of like the culmination of this five year run. Mm-hmm. Um, and where they started and where they've got to, um, I think that would be well, like well deserved. Um, I can't I can't think of anybody who who's done more to just like take a team that was pretty much in complete disarray when he took it over to like where it's at now with with like unbelievable stability and trust mm-hmm. and and like a real understanding of of identity um, that wasn't there before. And I think you know he deserves as much credit for that as anybody. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> there's like a there's like a stubbornness about Dwayne Casey that makes like these things possible, right? I mean, like he's he really keeps everyone in the ship. Like, you know, occasionally you'll have comments from like Kyle Lowry. Like last year when they were really struggling in January, he said like, you know, like we got to get some help in here or whatever. Something's got to change, or whatever. But like, there's never like major drama with the Raptors, like ever. Never major drama. Um, his players are online. He gets some ready to play games he's consistently got success now i mean like again there's it's not saying he's a perfect coach by any means i still think he could be a better in-game tactician but like when you look around the league this is also a year where there's almost like a unique opportunity for the for you know Dwayne to win the actual award itself um if the raptors organization want to make that push because like you look at golden state they've already achieved higher peaks than this so Steve Kerr is not going to win this award especially after Steve Kerr yeah. willingly gave up the, the clipboard like it's over for you at that point yeah he's like on the record saying that like he's not getting through to his players so yeah he's like I suck as a head coach bring back the week wall and then you look at the rest of the coaches like Mike D'Antoni he pretty much I mean he already won the last year he's doing more of the same I mean he incorporated Chris Paul which is nice but he also got Chris Paul like it's not going to be that hard. Um, and then you look at the rest of the coaches in the West. It's not really like – it's not like anyone's going to give it to Tibbs. Um, his players are leading the league in minutes, as as you would expect. Um, Pop, as you wrote in the score, um, his team might not win 50 games for the first time in 19 seasons. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if that would be a reason not to give it to him. Like, he's still done a pretty unbelievable job, I think, just getting that team to, to be where it is, which is third in the West despite – like, yeah, that's crazy. They're still third. I mean, I know they're like well, barely third, but like still. What I mean, yeah, Kawhi Leonard played nine games, and uh, like just like look at the rest of that roster. Like that. Yo, I think Paul Gasol might be like third in minutes played. Yeah, at age nuts. like fifty six. It's nuts. Paul Gasol um, moves like my dad. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I've never met your dad, so I don't know. Uh, he's surprisingly lead, but he's still fifty like three, so. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I got a lot of respect for the job that Popovich has done and continues to do, but I also think, I, I know, like, there are some peers who would just like to give it to the best coach every year, and I think there's something to be said for that, but at the same time, like, Popovich has been celebrated enough, and everybody yeah. knows how good he is and what he's capable of. Like, I don't think he needs to win the award this year for, you know, as good a job as he's done, like, um, like, give somebody else some shine, you know? Yeah, um, do you want to take a casual guess as to who's second in the Spurs in minutes played this season? So Pau Gasol's third. He's like seven minutes behind Kyle Anderson. Okay. So, he's, he's seven minutes behind Kyle Anderson. Yeah, Anderson's third. So he's second. So Aldridge is first, I'm guessing? Yeah. Easily. Second, fuck, DeJunte Murray? Like. No, no, no. He's seventh. Um. Jeez. Uh. (laughs) Is it, no, it can't be, can it be Manu? Can't be Manu. Nah, Manu's eighth. Which is surprising, though. Like, Manu has played 45 games this year. That's very impressive. Yeah, he's, he's been pretty solid, too. Like, Yeah, he has been. Uh, Manu yeah, looks like my dad, like, physically looks like my dad. <laughs> your dad, so uh, old, your dad seems like he'd be a great spur. Oh, well, under pop, no problem. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's plug and play. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, second on the Spurs, man. Um, I'm trying to think about, like, who... Um. Damn, I don't know. Hit me. He was on the championship squad. Patty Mills. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Patty <laughs> Mills is second in minutes played for the team that's third in the West. That's insane. Yeah. Also, Bryn Forbes is six. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, I mean, what? it's it's pretty wild. Yeah. Um, no, but Dwayne Casey better. Dwayne Casey better. Okay. I'll try to make the case <laughs> for Pop. It's just every year, it's always some ridiculous shit like this. Um. Yeah, I mean, like, there's a unique opportunity there, right? And then if you look in the Eastern Conference, um, Ty Lue's never going to win that award. It's just never. Like, if you're going to coach LeBron, you're not going to get that award. Like, I don't think Spo even won that award, right? And, like, they had, like, a 27-game winning streak. Um, yeah. So, um, if you... Did Spo never win? I don't think Spo ever won. Um, like, that 66 win season? Anyway, I mean, like, I think you're right. Like, if you if you are coaching LeBron, then it's like you got to be doing something... Yeah, pretty outside the box in order to earn those kind of accolades. Whereas I feel like for Spo, at least that year, when yeah. they did really like ratchet it up, was when he kind of like actually changed LeBron as a player a little bit. Like had him playing more four and like operating out of the post, and like uh, their defensive scheme was like pretty revolutionary as well. So yeah. Um, Although if you look, okay, so that 2012-2013 season, George Carl won the award. And that George, that George Carl team, the Denver Nuggets team that was, you know, uh, headlined by Masai Ujiri as their GM, uh, won 57 games, and it was kind of similar to this Raptors team. I mean, the Raptors had a little bit more star power, but, you know, deep roster, um, a lot of functioning pieces. They play fast, played an exciting brand of basketball. They share the basketball. Um, Ty Lawson was not drinking as much at the time, and they won 57 games. And, you know, like, yeah, so basically my, my thing is, like, the Coach of the Year awards comes down to, you know, Brad Stevens or Dwayne Casey. And if, if, if the Raptors get the number one seed, um, I think it's pretty clear that it, it would be the Raptors. And, you know, we can talk about the, the number one seed after this, but um, the, the case for Brad Stevens is that, like, you know, he's taking this. Every year it's always, oh, uh, you know, the Celtics have no talent, and it's always, it's always, um, 
just this wonder boy coach coaching them up. But at the same time, it's always, it's also like, wow, they, the Celtics got all these assets, all these bone players. People love these players. It's like, how, what, what is the balance? And like Danny Ainge has done such a great job finding all these players. It's like, what's the balance there? Because like, you're, you're trying to give the same credit to five people with the Celtics at all times. But, um, I mean, look, this, the, the argument with the Celtics is, like, uh, if Gordon Hayward went down, he managed to, to go through it. But, like, the Raptors didn't even have a Gordon Hayward to go down in the first place. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I do think that, that, that there's more talent on the Raptors than there is on the Celtics. Um, okay. I agree with you. But, Not, like, substantially but, so, though. No, I don't think so either. And I, I don't think that necessarily means that, like, that Brad Stevens done a better job than Dwayne Casey. Like, I... Mm-hmm. I you know, if you look at that team, like their their offense has been pretty dysfunctional for a long stretches, and like um, their defense has obviously been outstanding. Uh, I think they're still number one in the league. So, um, you know, I, I think Brad Stevens 100% deserves a lot of credit for the job he's done. I think he's one of the better coaches in the league. But like, I, mm-hmm. I don't know where you make the argument that he's necessarily been better than Casey. But I don't know, man. It's 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 generally just hard to take the measure of a coach's impact. I think so. Mm-hmm. Um, again, that's why I say like it's easy for us to say it should be Dwayne because we watch a lot of Raptors basketball and like we see the the work that he does and like the changes that he implements on like a game by game basis. Whereas um, it's I feel like we take more of a macro view when it comes to the other coaches in the league, so it's less granular. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I really think that there's like a, a lot of momentum right now toward uh, a coach Casey campaign which you know whether he wins it or not um I'm, I'm just happy to see him like getting the respect that he deserves for the work that he's put in and uh and you know what he's done to transform the team into what it is now mm-hmm. and the thing the one thing about Casey is that like when he gets his credit he's always going to deflect to his players and it's it's great man I mean he had a quote yesterday after the game about Colin Lamar he said quote these two have taken us and pushed us to the top of the league. I love them both like sons. I'm proud of where they have come from and that they have made themselves into multi-time All-Stars. Man. That's such a sweet thing to say, you know? Yeah. And it's like, the thing about KC, too, is like you, you really never hear anybody around the league say a bad thing about him. Like, he yeah, really, exactly. Like, has, not even, not so even Mike Boonholzer, who he cussed <laughs> the hell out of. <laughs> yeah. Mike Boonholzer's like, like, you know what? He was right. He's, I should not go with you like that. that yeah, I've lost to the um, Raptors like five, eight times this season. Yeah, no, it's awesome, and and I would also just like to take an opportunity to to credit Masai Ujiri because yes, for sure he he really had like I think just like a lot of opportunities to walk away from Dwayne Casey. Yeah, um, and nobody would have faulted him for it. I think you know the narrative when he came in was like. Casey was kind of immediately on the hot seat because the, yeah. the perception always is like mm-hmm. you get a new GM and the GM wants to bring in his own guy. So for a long time it felt like you know we've just been waiting for that to happen and if if Masai actually wanted to do that like there were plenty of opportunities for him to do it after getting swept by the Wizards in the first round um, you know after getting swept by the Cavs last year and then Masai comes out talking about how the team and the culture needs to change like there have been so many moments where it felt like um, the axe was ready to fall. Mm-hmm. And and I think, you know, nobody would have raised much of a stink about it as much as I think a lot of people in and around the organization like Dwayne Casey. Like, I think everybody understands, like, sometimes, you know, change is needed. Yeah. But Masai's back to his guns, and, like, he's been rewarded, I think, in, in a big way. So 
Yeah, that's a, that's a, it's pretty much the same story with all the Raptors. Masai isn't necessarily bought into them necessarily, but he gives he empowers them to try to improve and try to be the person that the Raptor organization needs them to be. And generally speaking, that happens. So um, it's a good story, and it's, it speaks to the overall structure of the, of the team. Um, we said earlier about the number one seed. Um, the Raptors are currently I should have the record just memorized. 41 and 16, which means they can only lose six more times uh, the rest of the way, and they need to win at least 19 games, <laughs> which is tough. 19 and 6 is tough. Um, they would have to pretty much continue winning at their current pace um, by a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. The Raptors don't play again until Friday, but, I mean, what do you think are their chances of going, going for 60 wins? Do you think it's important to win 60, or do you think it's more important to just get the number one seed? Uh the latter, like I think the number one seed is, um, especially with the Cavs looking like they're firming up that number three seed, uh, I think it's pretty important, pretty important for them to get number one and um, give themselves a chance to have home court advantage in a, poten- a potential conference finals series so against just, the Cavs. And to just avoid the Cavs until it's necessary. Yeah, for sure. And just, you know, I think that's like a pretty incredible milestone to shoot for, for, for a team that was so... <laughs> middling to bad to mediocre to you know whatever everything in between for for so so long uh to have a season where you finish number one i mean that means something and mm-hmm. um i think that'd be awesome and 60 wins would also be awesome I, I think they have a chance to get there if only because i i think they recognize that that number one seat is important so right uh if, if the celtics kind of keep pushing them for it then that's going to give them an opportunity to keep their foot on the gas and get to 60 mm-hmm. Uh, so it'd be nice to see them get both, but I'm not really sweating 60 wins as much as I'm sweating. Like, man, please, please get number one. Please avoid Cleveland until, uh, the conference finals. Like, that's where I'm at. Yeah. Um, the tough thing right now is that the Raptors play the Cavs and the Celtics twice more. And for some odd reason, we play the Cavs and the Celtics back to back in April. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, I don't really know what would happen in April in terms of like where the, everyone is and how hard everyone will be going for that game. Generally speaking, teams kind of wind down in April and <clears throat> those three teams are going to be tops of the conference, but that's probably going to be the toughest stretch where on March 31st, they play yeah. the Celtics, then they have a couple days off, and then they play the Cavs, and then they come home the next night and play the Celtics. Now, going from Cleveland to Toronto is like a one-hour flight, so it's not a real issue, but like Still, you don't want to play those intense games back-to-back. That's not ideal. <clears throat> and then in terms of the other tough games, they play on the second half of a back-to-back in Cleveland, which is just weird. Like, stop making us play back-to-back against these teams. Stop it. <laughs> it's unfair. Um, but they play in Orlando, <laughs> which, you know, maybe they yeah. can rest a couple guys there and, and then get fresh for the next game. But they play the Caps the next night in Cleveland. That's going to be a tough game. They also play at home to Houston Rockets. Um, they have ample rest there, so that shouldn't be an issue. Um, and then the other tough game is the Oklahoma City Thunder, who they play yeah. um, also at home. The thing with the Thunder game, though, it's at 1 p.m., and it's on a Sunday, and it's in Toronto, and we have rest. So that one seems to heavily favor the Raptors, but who knows? I mean, like, OKC went into Cleveland and scored 148 points on an early start on during a weekend, so... You never know. But, um, yeah, those are the tough games. I mean, if the Raptors, I mean, the 60 wins would be really nice, and I think it's possible they get there. Like, it's, it's good to have the, the young guys, really, because, like, their legs are fresher than everyone else's right now. 
we can go deeper in our rotation. And also, when we need to rest our star guys, like, honestly, Monday, April the 9th, like the second last game of the season against the Detroit Pistons, or like or Sunday, April 8th against the Orlando Magic, like, we don't, the starters don't need to play, and you can rest them, and you can still feel confident that Fred Van Vliet can dominate whoever's playing point guard in Orlando. Like, after the trade of Alfred Payton, who do they have? Is it really just, like, Mario Hazonia and, like, Shelvin Mack? I think it's DJ. <laughs> DJ Augustine. That's, uh... Yeah, there's not much there. Um, <laughs> wow, DJ Augustine. Yeah, DJ Augustine running point. I mean, like, I understand why they felt the need to move on from Alfred Payton, but at the same time, like, I don't know. Like, do, like I guess they probably have a plan, and, like, they're hoping to nab a point guard in the draft, but, like, I don't know, man. That's like a good cautionary tale, I think, for, like, the, the, the blow-it-up crowd. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the guys will tell you that, like, if you're not competing for a championship, you got to be just, like, competing for ping-pong balls, like... This is a pretty good example of how it can go sideways and how you can just get stuck in the mud for years on end. They straight up did nothing with all their picks. Nothing. <laughs> they didn't even re-sign Aaron Gordon yet. And it's yeah. not even, like, that big of a deal to re-sign Aaron yeah. Gordon. Like, I mean, maybe he keeps developing. He's taken a step this year, although his three-point shooting has come down. He's kind of back to the same in-between player he used to be. But, yeah, man, all that, all those years of tanking after the Dwight trade, they got nothing for him. But um, yeah, the sixty the sixty one yeah. thing is going to be tough, um, just because they have a couple of back-to-backs or whatever. But that Cleveland Cavs, um, sorry, the, the the Celtics Cavaliers Celtics stretch is going to be the most pivotal point in the season, and hopefully the Raptors are ready for that because they have a couple games before those three games. They can be locked in for those three games, almost like a mini playoff series, just to get everything tuned up. And obviously, a lot of these games will be important, and if they are successful in um, coming away with those wins. Then I, I feel very confident that the Raptors are going to be, you know, the number one seed. But, you know, a lot of things could happen between now and then. Um, but, yeah, that yeah, will definitely I mean, be the stretch th- to watch for sure. Yeah. I think, you know, most important thing is, like, just keep preying on health. Like, the, the Raptors yes, have been right. really, really healthy this year. And um, uh, that's been a big part of their success, mm-hmm. kind of underrated part of their success, I think. Uh, they, they, you know... Kyle missed, like, three games with the tailbone thing that could have been so much worse than it was. Uh, DeMar hasn't missed a game yet. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, nobody, like, aside from DeLon Wright uh, with his shoulder, like, nobody's really missed any kind of significant time uh, at all. So And DeLon didn't even miss that much time, really. It was, like, a couple of weeks. We thought it was yeah, going to be way he, worse. Well, because we thought maybe he was going to have to, like, have surgery again, right? And so yeah. there, there's been a couple injuries where it feels like it could have been worse. And... Uh, they've motored on through, and um, I think that that's going to be the most important thing is just having everybody healthy for the stretch run and for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that that and just like getting the one seed, I think, are the two most important things uh, yeah. these next twenty twenty five games. Right. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing, um, I guess that's related to getting the one seed. But how do you, what do you what do you think about the Celtics and the Cavaliers? Um, like the Celtics are coming back down to earth a little bit. Like they weren't mm-hmm. ever as good as their hot start indicated they were, but no. I also don't think they're this bad either. Like they're not like You know what's funny about the Celtics? Everyone talks about how great everyone is, but once Marcus Smart goes down, their team goes to shit. Really? <laughs> Your team is built on Marcus Smart? 
Well, it was like the Raptors last year with Patrick Patterson, right? You know, yeah. how, how good can your team be if you're that reliant on a healthy Patrick Patterson? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, like, look, Marcus Smart does help increase the energy of the team, and, um, you know, he shoots under 40%, but he tries hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think this is where the Celtics are. Like, they should be a 2-3 seed type scenario. Like they're just not the best team in the in the conference. They just don't really believe in like that's that's where their true talent lies, and I don't think that is where their true talent lies. Yeah, I mean, I've I think we've kind of said all season long we didn't think that they were as good as their record showed. Um, they were winning like a ton of close games and also just coming back from huge deficits like yeah. night after night. Oh, like they just had like stupid things happen in their favor. Like remember when Bogdanovich just threw the ball like straight to yeah. Terry Rozier? Like yeah. what you, all you had to do was inbound the ball and get fouled. <laughs> That's it. And then the, the like, game against Houston um, yeah. when, when Hard had those flopped. two offensive fouls in like the last 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, Does the walk the Wizards game? Like, yeah. Um, so it just felt like they were kind of riding high on a pretty unsustainable formula. Mm -hmm. And, um, Tatum's hit a bit of a wall, I think. Horford's hit a bit of a wall. Uh, they're, they're just not operating at the level they were early in the season, which is fine. Like, they're still a good team, but I was never particularly scared of that team. Yeah. And I'm still not. I mean, Cleveland's still the team that scares me as far as, you know, when, when you talk about teams that can prevent the Raptors from getting to the finals, um, yeah, it's I think it's, it's Cleveland and maybe to a lesser extent, um, like the Bucks and Sixers, if that was to be, you know, a first round series, mm-hmm. um, those teams would, would scare me a bit. I mean, the thing about the Raptors in a playoff series is like they're, I, I do feel like they're still going to be a little bit vulnerable just because if they, play a team like Milwaukee or Philly, mm-hmm. uh, they won't have the best player in the series. And and that worries yeah. me, you know? Yeah. Um, because, like, I don't know. I, I think there are a lot of cliches that get thrown around when it comes to playoff basketball and how the game changes. I think in a lot of cases it's overstated. But that, to me, has always felt true, that, you know, if you have the best player in a series, you're going to have a chance to win. Um, yeah. And I think, it, it, you know, to a large extent, that's part of the reason that the Raptors have have had trouble in the playoffs in the past because um, they don't, you know, a lot of times they they just don't have the best player and like they've thrived on chemistry and and continuity and a certain formula that has worked for them, mm-hmm. um, playing to their strengths and just like knowing exactly who they are, being well coached, being disciplined, like that stuff has gotten them through the regular season and gotten them a lot of regular season wins, but like. Come playoff time, when you're you're going up against a force like Giannis Antetokounmpo is playing like 45 minutes a game, or or um, Embiid, if Embiid starts playing every single game and he plays 40 minutes a game, it's yeah, kind of a wrap. Like Embiid's a top five player in terms of impact. He just doesn't play that much, but if he's yeah. playing a lot, you're done. Yeah, I, I would very much like the Sixers to stay the hell away from the eighth seed, yeah, um, be great. which. Because like, I'm not worried about the rest of the team. It, it, honestly, it doesn't concern me. Like Ben Simmons doing what he does. Like you could stop Ben Simmons, JJ Redick. You could stop him. Um, <laughs> JJ Redick, man. Oh, why? Yeah. Why did you say that, man? Like what? What were you even trying to say? Anyway, um, it's good that he eventually did apologize properly. But um, yeah, you can stop JJ Redick. You can stop whoever else is on that team. TJ McConnell is a try hard, but like you can get in his way. Robert Bit of Covington. a raptor killer, though. 
Sure, I guess. I just don't think they <laughs> take yeah, them seriously. No. But in the playoff series, you take them seriously. No, yeah, no. Look, obviously, there's, there's no reason to fear. Out. There's no reason to fear the Sixers outside of Embiid. Embiid. But, but that, the thing is, but, like nobody could stop Embiid. No. Yeah. And plus, um, Embiid's so terrifying on the rim. Like, remember when in that Heat series, nobody would drive on Hassan Whiteside. Yeah, Embiid is like twenty five times better than Hassan Whiteside. <laughs> yeah, I, I think um, that's why. Like, I don't I, like. I would love to play Miami in the first round. Like, that doesn't that doesn't yeah, frighten yeah. me at all because It'd be tough, you know, they don't. We're not we're not going to lose. No, they don't. They don't have any players like that that can just individually take over a series. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. All right. Um, we are going to take a quick break. We'll come back on the other end, and we'll take some Twitter questions. I'm Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Injury Lawyers, and you know what makes me mad? When insurance companies deny your claim for no good reason. That's why people call me. I'm the lawyer insurance companies don't want to deal with. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Welcome back to the second half of the podcast. Still here with Joe. Um, We're going to take your Twitter questions. Um, Hit us up, as always, at Raptors Republic. First one comes from RapsFan1237. Our most loyal listener in Halifax. Do you like the deadline before All Star? I mean, um, mid event trade talk. I don't really understand what he's saying with the second sentence, but I do understand that the NBA did move the trade deadline from after the All Star break to before the All Star break. Um, I don't know. Do you like it? Does it matter to you? Yeah, no, I don't. I can't really say I have an opinion on it. Like. Um, I, I remember last year, like, I think Boogie got traded on, like, the Sunday of All-Star Weekend, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, so he got the, he had to get pulled from the game, which was very unfortunate. Right. And then they were, like, already in New Orleans, so he just stayed there, basically. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so I guess that was, like, pretty cool and crazy, but, uh, you know, I, I don't really care. Um, I guess, um... I don't know. Like, what, what was the league's rationale for moving it up? Pretty much, they didn't want another boogie situation. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, I mean, because it was embarrassing I, for boogie, and it sucked that boogie had to like you know stop playing the game. Right. I mean, I guess there you end up with uh, a situation where it's like Larry Nance is in the dunk contest, and he's played like two games for the Cavs, but he's there representing Cleveland instead of the Lakers. Yeah. Um. Or you know, if if like Larry Nance had been an All Star. Rather than just like a dunk contest participant, then mm-hmm. what you know? How how would that affect the All Star game? I don't mm-hmm. know. Yo, speaking of the dunk contest, yeah. Um, what do you think? I thought that was I thought it was a lot of good dunks. Yeah, no, I thought it was pretty good. Like I, I know th- there are always these dunk contests that every other dunk contest gets compared to unfavorably. Yeah, and that's obviously unfair. You know, for it's a definitely while, not a god tier like, dunk contest. It's not 2016 or 2000. Or- no, but that's 86. the thing. It's like for for like 15 years, everyone's like, "Oh, the dunk contest will never be as good as 2000." And then there was 2016, which was yeah. arguably, you know, as good, if not better. And for the next however many years until we have another one like that, that's what everyone's going to compare the dunk contest to as well. So I think, you know, leaving those epic contests aside, like I think this one was perfectly good. Um, the the Dennis Smith Jr. like 360 through yeah. the leg dunk was absurd, um, and Donovan Mitchell had a couple of really nasty dunks. Um, I thought the 
the quality on the whole was pretty high. Oladipo was pretty disappointing, but aside from that. Yeah, we didn't need to see Oladipo dunk again. No. <laughs> After he did, like, yeah. 16 tries to, like, do the 540, and then he, like, came out and, like, sang a song and then ripped off his tearaways to reveal Orlando Magic pinstripe crazy. Like, I don't need to see that, man. Eve's the Lowry of the dunk contest. <laughs> oh, man, come on. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. All right. <laughs> uh, um, so the, yeah, go back to the, dunk, the trade deadline, though. The one thing I do like about it is that it forces teams to make a decision about their franchise uh, a bit earlier than before, which yeah. is nice, you know, like, because teams usually drag their feet or whatever, and then they, they, make, this, they make this trade, and then... Um, you know, they only have, like, a couple... They don't really have, like, a month and a bit to, like, really execute on a new team. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's not like it changes significantly. It's just, like, an extra week. But, um, you know, it's nice. Yeah. I mean, again, I, I, like, I can't really say I have a strong opinion on it one way or the other. So. Yeah. Yeah. We're really stretching the content here because we didn't get that many questions. <laughs> All right. Jeez. Um, Okay, next one from Zach. Do you think the Raptors could have made a run for Blake? Thought he hit, he fit the mix of Toronto, overpaying for injured all-stars. Um, also think the Lowry for Kyrie offer would have been better for Cavs. That's why, um, for, at, at first I thought he was talking about the, the Raptors organization making a case, a run for Blake Murphy, in which I fully support. <laughs> I fully support. Yeah. And then when I get all these scoops... It wasn't Blake that told me. Okay. <laughs> um, um, wow. Yeah, I mean, a... I think uh, I think the Raptors making a run of Blake Murphy probably make more sense than making a run of Blake Griffin. Yes, I agree. That's what we're comparing. I agree. Um, was there a Lowry for a Kyrie offer? Like, did no, I miss that? No, there I... never was one. <laughs> we we just signed him. We couldn't have tra- traded him. Yeah, like, I mean, well, you could have done a sign and trade, I guess. But, like, Kyrie hadn't handed in his trade request yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how that would have worked. I don't um, think Cleveland would have done that either, man. They just wouldn't. They wouldn't have done I also, that. I also think it's stupid to speculate about trades not made when you have, like, the best team in franchise history and the best team in the Eastern Conference right now. I think we should be happy with the team we got. Yeah. And the moves that were made. So, oh, it's worked out. Yeah. Also, like, Blake Griffin, really? Like... I like Blake Griffin. Don't, don't get me wrong. I just don't think Blake Griffin fits this current Raptors team. No, and I mean to make to make that trade work, you would need to send out matching salary, which means what? Like, it, it would be like Serge and, and somebody else. Mm. Um, I, I don't know. I don't see it. But mm. sometimes I, I I don't like to expose people because I appreciate everyone that listens to the podcast. But this man truly has a very strange um, Twitter account. <laughs> It's a lot of those, like, um, like if you click share on, like, a random link, and, like, the tweets are written for you. Yeah. So there's a lot, like, 15 of the most amazing and creepy bridges in the world. <laughs> Ten super hot celebrities dumped. And then there's the original one. Uh, another Air Canada flight. Uh, another Airbus A320 engine issue. Again, this is my fault for flying Air Canada. Four wow. likes. Yeah. Yeah. It's I just mean, a strange Twitter account. I'm not saying it's good or bad. It's just, you know, not what you would normally see from a typical account. But thanks for that question, Zach. Um, wow, another one. Uh, from D. Mitchell, not Donovan. Damn. I know. It would be nice. 
should Norm get more minutes during this last stretch for the playoff preparation? He's a game changer. Uh, I'd be sad if he's a non-factor for April, May, and June. Look at that. And June. I respect it, D. Mitchell. Thank you, Donovan Mitchell, for believing in us. And June. Exactly. That's right. I'd be sad, too, the Raptors, if Norm wasn't a factor in June. <laughs> June is the final Yeah, stretch. man. I mean, <laughs> tough season for Norm. Um, Very tough. And that, and that stupid commercial gets worse every time you see it. Yeah. It's, uh, it's the curse, man. It really is the GoDaddy curse. Yeah. Just, uh, I mean, look, who, who's in the, you had JV and Patterson and Bebe and Bebe. the GoDaddy commercial last year. Like, yeah. Luckily, just, JV has recovered, but Pat and, and Bebe are still struggling. Yeah. And JV recovered because, uh, because he handed the mantle off to somebody else. Mm-hmm. He, you know, the curse has been lifted, but, yeah. um, I think definitely if, if you're looking at, um, stuff to watch for the wraps the rest of the season, I feel like Norm, is definitely at the top of the list just because uh, everybody else on the roster, I feel like uh, we know what they are at this point. We know what they're going to give you uh, night to night. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Norm's that one guy where it's like you feel like he could be giving you more. Oh, definitely. Um, so I-, I do think that would be interesting to, to watch, like if or how uh, Dwayne Casey tries to like work him back into the rotation and whether – you know, he he can earn back a role uh, outside of just, like, the garbage time minutes that he's been getting for the last little while. But it's really tough to say because if, if he's getting more minutes and somebody else in the rotation is getting fewer minutes, and I don't know who that guy would be, just given how well everybody's playing right now and, mm-hmm. and the contributions that you're getting from 1 through 10. I, I don't know. Like that, I don't that know. one guy could be OG. Like, as much as he's done a good job all season, and, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want him to drop off at all because he's a better fit. Um, but like, you know, if OG does hit the rookie wall and he's kind of, you know, had a couple of blah games, he hasn't really had a good game in a while, um, at least offensively, um, yeah, I mean, that could be a, that could be an area of concern because in the regular season, like what your fifth option does doesn't really matter, but in the playoffs, when it's like a specific, um, you know, scheming of a team and uh, like redesigning your defense towards the specific opponent in front of you. Man, there's gonna be a, there's no one's been guarding OG, nobody, and like OG has been done a good job of when he's unguarded, cutting to the basket, whatever. But like, you might need some more scoring punch, um, and maybe that's more. Because I don't think yeah. like CJ's I mean, gonna be promoted. I think CJ's gonna stay with the bench. It's pretty clear. Yeah, he fits well I agree, there. and he's he's like such an important part of what that bench unit does. Yeah, um, like you know you can't really replicate that spacing um, or just like that that quick release three. Mm-hmm. with any other player on the roster, so I, I do think he's going to be pretty vital. And with OG, I mean, it's sort of the Robertson conundrum, I think, because you really do need him um, for certain matchups to be on the floor. Right. Um, he, he's going to be your best defensive option against the LeBrons and Giannis's of the world, mm-hmm. so you need him, but at the same time, you know, there is going to be a trade-off, I think, at the offensive end, especially. Like, if he's not hitting his threes, then it's going to be tough. Uh so I am interested to see um, whether he can get back a little bit of that offensive juice that he had for, like, the middle part of the season um, when he was <laughs> hitting, you know, he's he's not going to get back up to hitting, like, 45% of his threes, but um, if he can get back to hitting them at, like, 38 39%, then maybe that, that opens things up for him a little bit more and, like, the opportunity to attack closeouts um, 
like early in the year, you remember like when, when guys were closing out on him in the corner, he was, he was driving baseline, like finishing at the rim a lot, you know, a couple times a game he would do that. Mm-hmm. And now it's like guys are sagging off of him and th- those driving lanes aren't really open. So, I mean, we'll see. Uh, but I, I think you're right. Like if, if there is somebody whose minutes norm could conceivably take, that's probably the guy. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. Like, you know, OG's done a great job all year and I'm ready for him to continue doing it. But it is a bit of a concern, especially with rookies. Next one from Ben Scott. What's your crunch time five for the playoffs? So, I mean, um, I guess this depends on context. So, give me yeah. your um, coming from behind crunch time five and then, like, protecting your lead crunch time, crunch time five. Um, okay. That's, yeah, it, it's tough because I, I feel like uh, Casey hasn't really settled on, like, a crunch time five this season. It's always mm. a little bit different. Uh, he's mixed and matched a lot. Mm. But um, I I know Fred's been a part of, like, a lot of closing lineups. And mm-hmm. in, in a lot of ways, that's been deserved. And, and he's played pretty well in a lot of those crunch time minutes. But I think I would prefer, if you're going to go with a two-point guard look, to have DeLon out there. Mm-hmm. Um, just for, like, he, he gives you the same kind of competent ball handling and passing um, and maybe like a tick less shooting but DeLon's actually shot the three really well this year so I'd be comfortable with that and just the, the added defensive versatility that he gives you I think makes that a worthwhile trade-off so um, I think it's him and Kyle and DeMar and then probably if, if you're coming from behind you want to have Serge at the five just for the ability to maybe go five out and and be able to hopefully shoot your way back into a game mm-hmm. Um, so maybe surge at the five and then CJ at the four. Yeah. Um, and if you're protecting a lead, um, I think, I mean, I don't think it's crazy that you would have JV out there in some of those situations just because there's no real way to replicate that re- like defensive rebounding. Mm. And, uh, the, the Raptors have been burned a lot of times when they run lineups without him out there, just, uh, getting worked on the offensive glass. So, uh, for the sake of just like being able to finish possessions, I think, uh, it's worthwhile to have him out there. And then also because he's a player who you can just kind of dump the ball into and who can get you a bucket late in the shot clock. And I think if you're playing a bit of a prevent offense late in the game, um, and trying to protect the lead, uh, that's, you know, not necessarily the worst thing in the world to have Jonas out there to just kind of like eat up a bit of clock and then maybe either get to the free throw line or, like, get a bucket in the post late in the clock. That's true. Um, he's never so getting then, a bucket in the post in the clutch, though. He's never getting the bucket <laughs> in the clutch like that. Never. You know that. Yeah, that's, we know fair, that. that's fair. But, it's, but, that's all purely that's, theoretical. Maybe you got to put back. He's way more likely he gets to put back. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. I mean, th- that's, that's an interesting point, too, though, because I think they could maybe stand to, like, incorporate him a little bit more into their crunch time offense. Uh, especially because he's such a good screen setter, and yeah. they don't they don't really involve him in any of those actions. Like so often, it's it's the one two pick and roll with Kyle and Demar, and like I don't know. I, I know like they prefer to have Demar attack smaller players on mismatches, right? As opposed to like getting a big switched onto him. Mm-hmm. But if you so want a smaller that, player. Like, but the thing is, yeah, if you're going with a smaller player, you're shooting over him more likely than more often than you are blowing past him again to the rim. And yeah, I feel yeah, like exactly. that's where if it's a bigger guy, if you want to get an open shot from the mid range, the the big guy's probably going to drop. 
So you yeah. probably can pull up, depending on how good the screen is. And generally speaking, JV sets a bone-crunching big screen. And if he does step up, then you can kind of drive and go towards a basket and force rotation, and that's when you kick it out. So that's yeah. my thought. And then on you're that you're also gonna have you're gonna have JV open on the roll in a lot of those situations as well. Mm-hmm. Like I, mm-hmm. I think it would definitely be worthwhile to try and work him into into the crunch time offense because JV's been way better defensively this year. I think we can all agree. But yeah. if if you have him on the floor, I think you really need to be involving him in the offense for you know. It, for it to make sense to have him uh, on the floor because, you know, at best he's kind of giving you, like, average to slightly above average defense Yeah. at best. Great, so, great rebounding, not great shot contests, and right. uh, one target to attack and pick and roll. But Yeah, and, like, good, you know, good post defense, but not oh, yeah, yeah. defending in space and, and a guy that other teams, I think, are going to look to exploit if he's out there. So mm-hmm. if, you were, if you're not taking advantage of what he gives you at the offensive end, then it kind of doesn't make sense to have him out there, so... Yeah. Um. I don't know. I mean, you know, you could have. I I could see you having. You know, if you're protecting a lead, having him out there in the clutch uh, with Surge at the four, with Siakam at the four, mm-hmm. um, just for that added defensive switchability and, and a guy who can maybe paper over some of uh, JV's weaknesses defending in space. Right. I, I did like the 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 wrinkle that Dwayne Casey pulled out in that Heat game where he went to Siakam um, when he needed a clutch stop. Over yeah. Surge. And it wasn't even like Surge was having a bad game. Like, Surge was up and down, but he still had, like, 14 and 10. And he was doing a good job on defense. But, um, yeah, it was interesting. I mean, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Siakam out there. Because he is a little bit more lethal. Then again, like, Siakam guarding that Heat game. I mean, he the, the, one, the other one, uh, they lost. <laughs> Wayne Ellington. But that was... Uh, that, that was, was more really mis- that was fault, miscommunication, though. yeah. He probably yeah. shouldn't have left his feet. But, you know, Ellington is a deadly shooter and he's a quick gunner so what can you do mm-hmm. yeah, yeah um i mean siakam out there definitely cramps your spacing a bit and that's yeah. probably a bit of a worry especially because again spacing uh, is really huge. the way that yeah and the, and the way that the bench has kind of mitigated that is by putting the ball in his hands a mm-hmm. lot um blake actually wrote a really good story about siakam's like improved ball skills and and how um his offense has come along and and a lot of that's just been him being more of a facilitator and having the ball in his hands. So right. the, the the lack of spacing is less of an issue. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the Raptors are not going to like put the ball in Pascal Siakam's hands uh, in crunch time. So never. Um, so maybe that hurts you a little bit more having him out there. But the occasional possession, I don't really, I really don't mind. Like using all those pieces because the Raptors do have a lot of different defensive pieces that they could use, um, so that they're not necessarily committed. Putting out the same five that they always will do, but um, yeah, Casey's got options. Yep. Um, next one from Big Dipper, thirteen. Um, how do I shut up the annoying Celtic fan in the group chat? Just, just show him the highlights of that game, man. Just like anytime <laughs> he says anything, just tell him that Al Horford had two points. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's all I got to do. Honestly, Al Horford is just Patrick Patterson that ripped his boob like five times. That's 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 it. That's it. Horford really had two um, points, man. And he was like, they were guarding me differently. It's like, all they did was pick you up from like, as soon as you cross half court to deny like ball reversal. And you you had two points. Yeah, I mean, the thing about Horford is there, there are really like a ton of things that he does super well. But he needs like uh, time and space to do it. Yeah, and he usually and, gets it because he's the big and he's popping all the time. Yeah, and I think 
like a big thing for I don't know. Just I feel like it's really easy to match up with the Celtics. Maybe I'm just saying that because the Raptors match up with them so well. But like, mm-hmm. no, it is easy to match. That's why they don't have success in the playoffs. Yeah, like, they lost you know, to the go- Bulls. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I, I don't know. That's my feeling. Is it is like they are kind of easy to game plan for. And it's like if you want to go small against Celtics, like Horford's not really a guy who can punish a smaller defender. You know, yeah. like, um. He, he's effective when when he's popping out to three and when he's kind of like operating from the nail or from the elbow um, as a facilitator. But he, like I don't know, I don't necessarily worry about him like being able to abuse a smaller defender. So mm-hmm. if uh, if you have like kind of like a fast and switchable lineup out there, like I don't have faith that they're going to necessarily be able to crack it. Right. And then you saw like. You know, even even having JV kind of play against him and bottle him up by picking him up, you know, a little bit earlier, mm-hmm. he he was completely out of sorts. So, um, I think that's the the danger you run when, I mean, Kyrie can still make a lot of stuff happen on his own, um, but I think they still run so much of their offense through Horford, and I don't know, maybe that's one of the reasons they have like a bottom ten offense. So, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of easy ways to slam at the Celtics, especially right now with the way they're losing. But, um, yeah. Um, the next, the last two questions? Three questions. The last three questions are not really, like, basketball-related. All right, they're just more, you know, whatever. From uh, First one from Holy Cockroach. In terms of their play, which restaurant would you compare the Raptors to? Um, I'll give a shout-out to, uh, there's this bar called Mayday Malone's. Um, okay, yeah, yeah. At DuPont and Bathurst, and mm. they bring up, like a projector screen for the Raptors games and they're are usually like <clears throat> it's mostly a hockey bar so yeah. they have like big screens at the front where people are watching hockey and then there's like this little area at the back where it's like usually me and just like a couple of buddies being the only people there while watching the Raptors but mm-hmm. uh, it's great you can drink there for pretty cheap and uh, if, if you are looking to get a little bit rowdier maybe kick some chairs over that's a pretty good place to do it uh, yeah I, I don't know if I want to advertise kicking a chair over at that specific <laughs> establishment, but, um, yeah, it's a cool place to go. Um, yeah. It's just tough. To, honestly, the thing with the Raptors is that it's like no bars are specifically set up for the Raptors to do what they're doing. Because they're no. no matter what the Raptors are doing, there's always going to be more interest in the Leafs. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, I don't, I like uh, Dog, Dog and Bear. Dog Alice. Yeah, okay. Dog and Bear is okay. Like, he's just generally a good sports bar. It's a bit of the British pub feel. Um, but, like, there's generally a good, like, collection of Raptors fans at that time. Plus, like, it's one of those nice bars where you can, like, it's not like a sports bar where after the game is done, you got to leave and go somewhere else because uh, only people left are, like, you know, uh, old people betting on horses and shit. Um, there's, like, what, th- what bars are you going to where that happens? Yeah, listen, I live uh, I live in the junction, so there's a lot of that. Oh, true. Um... Yeah, Dog and Bear is fine. I like Dog and Bear. But, um, yeah, I don't know. There's just not that many Raptors bars, really. Yeah. Um, there's another one called the Doc Ellis. Uh, okay. I like Dundas and Dovercourt. That's, uh, that's pretty good. And, like, they, they're usually, like, a pretty even split of, of Raptors and Leafs fans there. So That's good. Yeah. We can all support each other, man. Absolutely. We all support each other. All right. Last one is from Masad, our guy. Shout out to the... The Raptors Public 3-on-3 tournament. It was down to either you or Assad for MVP. 
Asada really oh, only man, had one. Come on. Asada really only had one good game. If, yeah, well, he, he we won one game and he he won it for us with just like a hail of of like one legged fadeaways. It's, so. da- it's a damn shame what happened to Blake. It's a damn shame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Asad asks, uh, <laughs> what Dollarama location is the best hookup for rare Yu-Gi-Oh cards on the cheap? Oh my god. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't which, think that one's directed at me. And which Yu-Gi-Oh card is each Raptor starter? Um, did you play Yu-Gi-Oh cards at all? <laughs> No, man. Okay, that, <laughs> that's just uh, this is just all me then. Yeah. Um. Okay. So I'm not even kidding. The Dollarama that I took around the corner from work, like the one at Spadina and Adelaide. Yeah. They started selling these Yu-Gi-Oh cards for like eight dollars a pack, and I was like, "This is fake, right?" Sorry, not eight dollars a pack. Um, one twenty-five a pack for eight. And it's the like a usual pack of cards has been consistently like between like five and seven dollars, like for the last like twenty years. Um, I'm not, maybe not twenty. Although Yu-Gi-Oh is pretty old, but yeah, I mean, like pretty much for, for since time, like it's been tw- like six dollars, and it's still six dollars today. So I was like, wow, one twenty-five. That's that's a crazy deal. I was like, these cards must be fake. So I bought some just to you know make sure it's not fake. For what reason, as a twenty-five-year-old adult, I need to <laughs> confirm the veracity of such things. I, I I don't know, but I bought some, and they are real and they are legit. Um, and so I bought some more. And I got some good cards. Like if any, there's, if there's any Yu-Gi-Oh fans out there, I got a Slate Warrior for a like dollar twenty-five. Okay, so you know, it's a it's a good deal. So that's that's Dollarama I've seen in that. It's probably another Dollaramas too, but it's like one twenty-five for a pack of eight, which is wild. And then which Yu-Gi-Oh card is each Raptor starter? Um, I mean, I'm just race through these because you know we really don't have to. Do, we don't we don't have to go too deep on these. JV is a Goblin Attack Force. It's a it's a card that has a lot of attack, but after it attacks, it goes on defense and has zero defense, so it's yeah, easily killed. Ibaka is Jinzo because he um, negates traps because he can shoot out of the four on three pick and roll situation. OG is uh, I don't know, like humanoid slime. Like he just has limited attack but a lot of defense. I guess doesn't really do much otherwise. Damar is basic insect, which uh, is just rude. Um, Lowry, <laughs> Lowry is injection fairy lily because um, uh, that's a butt joke. And also, sometimes he really powers up and uh, he he supports your team a lot, but it costs you. So that's uh, that's the question from Masad. I'm happy I said that to the end because hopefully people aren't listening to that one. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, sorry I couldn't contribute to uh, to the answer on that one. It's okay. I spent like a solid like ten minutes yesterday thinking of these questions or these answers. Word specifically for Assad. Let's do let's do a tournament again next year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what, what, absolutely. Actually, hold on. I got, I meant to ask you on top. Um, how's the how's the blogger um, run been? Give me um, a scouting report on the, the notable bloggers in this game. From what I understand, like you, um, Rat and Ashley are the best players. Yeah, Ashley came out to. Our first game, but she was wet. She she had like a number of pull up jumpers that uh, left me pretty impressed. But um, okay. uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Blake's out there doing his thing, just like bodying dudes, playing solid defense, and uh, you know, making the Patrick Patterson swing pass from the top. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, I'm like, sorry, Blake. You know, like like keeping the offense moving. Um, <laughs> But like you know, not not necessarily looking to uh, to get his own shot or to initiate, but um, just yeah. like a good solid role player. Um, mm-hmm. 
and uh, you know Reynolds is, is like high volume, low efficiency, um, <laughs> middling efficiency, uh, but like a middle aged Monte Ellis. Yeah, I mean we rely on him a lot just because we don't like we don't really have any other offensive creators at all, and we're all like shook as hell and scared to shoot. So <laughs> sometimes he's just got to try and like salvage some offensive possessions. Um, Yikes! And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm still, I'm still like shaking off some rust because uh, I hadn't, uh, I hadn't got back into uh, to playing. It's been like five years, so. I, I'm, but I've heard positive reports about you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've asked Sasha and Harsh, and you know, they said good things about you. I had, they're uh, they're my... saying you're the TJ McConnell of this team. <laughs> oh my god! All right, <laughs> TJ's good. TJ's been on a tear uh, recently. Yeah, I'm still like I'm, my my jump shot's still coming back to me. It's still a bit of a mess. So um, there's still a lot of like open shots that I pass up, mm-hmm. and and uh, but I've been I've been getting to the rim actually a decent amount, and finally starting to stick my layups. So it was one game when I missed legitimately like probably nine or ten open layups. Um, All right, so I'm doing that less. Um, <laughs> so I feel good about that. But uh, yeah, I mean the team is good. We're we're working on our chemistry mm-hmm. and. Yeah, it's fun. Is Harsh coming off the bench? Uh, you know, we like to mix and match. Um, <laughs> he's coming off the bench. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's, he's, he's giving you that energy off the bench, man. He's, uh, he likes to run the floor, mm-hmm. and he's got he's got a solid wingspan. Yeah. Probably, like, one of our better defenders. Um, okay. He had, uh, he had, like, a really impressive hustle play the last game where, like, we gave up what was a clear fast break, and mm. Harsh was maybe, like, three or four strides behind the play. But oh, he made a LeBron chase down block? <laughs> he didn't make a LeBron chase down block, but basically he chased the guy down, and the guy had to dribble it out as opposed to <laughs> going in for, for an uncontested layup. So. That's the highlight of Harsh's tenure. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, it was, it, it, was, it was a Kyle Lowry-esque hustle play. I was impressed. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um. Mm. But yeah, no, it's a, it's a fun squad. We we got slapped pretty good our, our last game, but before then we'd been you know we'd won a couple and been competitive in in the game that we lost and had a tie. So okay. But All the right. last game was pretty was pretty humbling. We played like we, we'd been playing you know like middle of the road teams I think, and we played elite competition last game and uh, gave us a sense of where we were really at in the hierarchy of the league. Wow, you guys are the Celtics. <laughs> a lot of tryhards and got exposed by top tier competition. Yeah. All right, extremely well coached. Yeah, oh for sure, for sure, for sure. Um, making the most of that talent for sure. Um, uh, absolutely. All right, Joey, this is good. Yeah, man, always, uh, always a pleasure. And thanks for thanks for having me on. Yeah, for sure. Everybody, go follow Joe Wolf on at Joey underscore double U. That's the the name Joey underscore and. Not the letter W, but like the words double and U together. Yeah, I love this this uh, bit explaining my Twitter handle at the end of every show. It uh, yeah. gives me life. I mean, I just want to make sure people understand that it's not the letter for some reason. <laughs> yeah, all right. Was Joey underscore just like letter taken or? Nah, man, I just thought, you know, I'd get a little creative with it. Mm. And... uh I don't know. I, I guess I didn't like I, at the time. Didn't expect to like be having to explain <laughs> to explain it like uh, every month or so. So, mm. um, but here we are. Here we are. There we go. All right. We'll be back next week. Happy Family Day. <laughs>